So let's start with the beginning. Uh, I know that the idea for Evergreen kind of came from Julie and David Singleton and some other parties, and they decided to eventually go forward with this. Can you talk some about how you got involved in the process? Okay. Well, it actually comes came more from Brad Lajeunesse and Jason Etheridge. Mm-hmm. Um, they had been kind of literally playing around with developing an ILS and um, when Pines hit the limit that the uh, the vendor ILS we were with um, had for um, number of bid records, patrons, um, circulations, you know, all that kind of thing that actually were unknown until we hit them. Um, they were able to convince um, David and Julie and Lamar Veach, who was the state librarian at the time, um, that we should try to do this ILS. And then, of course, they had to convince uh, the IT people with USG. Um, and I, I wasn't involved in those that part of it. I mean, I was peripherally aware it was going on. Um, I was managing the State Library Collection at the time. Um, and so since I was there in the office and Ben Lynn was also there, you know, as an instructor in cataloging, we, um, once they got the go-ahead, we were involved in helping um, Brad and Jason and then later um, Bill and um, Mike in understanding cataloging, cataloging workflows um, and resources. Um, we also, I also was one of the, um, we had these, we went around the state having uh, listening sessions and uh, work sessions to get people to tell us what they wanted for an ILS. And one of Jason Estridge's sayings was pretend it's magic, which is nice, but sometimes that comes back to haunt us. Um, but um, so we, you know, we went around and we got all this information from people. I think Elizabeth still has the um, notes and the, the sheets where we wrote everything down. And then the guy came back and the guy sort of, um, you know, started developing it based on that. I was uh, part of the sessions specifically for catalogers, um, uh, Pines catalogers. And um, I, I think we also may have included non-Pines libraries as, as well. It's been, Elizabeth would remember that probably better than me. Um, so, you know, we had pretty wide-ranging discussions of, about how would you want it to uh, function um, in ways that you're not seeing that your vendor, both in terms of how a vendor ILS functions, because, you know, it's all about the same thing. So there, there's a lot of overlap in functionality. And then how would you like it to function in ways that the vendor catalog, the vendor ILS never did? So I, I want to go back to something you said about reaching maximum mm-hmm. number of records. Uh, I, I've kind of heard this anecdotally over time, but the 
system you were using at the time literally maxed out and could not add any more well it's not that we it's not that we couldn't add it was having trouble um processing stuff so it would like um in the, it, like every afternoon um it almost every afternoon it would like have to be restarted because with the circulations and the people cataloging and everything it just reached its maximum yield and so it would have they it would go down for a little bit while it, while it was restarted we could we all we joked we knew when kids got out of school because <laughs> it was about that time frame when it would have to when everything um when all of the transactions within the system went up and we had to restart uh -huh. And we couldn't, I think we couldn't add any more libraries either. I, that, uh, that, so, and I don't know if that was a function of no more bib rec, not very many more bib records, or just no more libraries. You know, no, no none of the, no more patrons, no more anything. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it had just hit a functional max in several capacities, it sounds like. Right, right. And, and one that they were unaware of, the that the vendor was unaware of. Right. And for those who may listen to this who don't know, Georgia Pines uh, encompasses almost the entire state of Georgia. Uh, there are a few holdouts who haven't joined it, but I don't think it's unfair to call it a statewide consortium. Yeah, well, it's, it's always been a statewide consortium. Um, it's just now it's, it's now there are eight uh, systems that are not part of Pines. Um, they're the primarily the large metro systems. Um, then it was, you know, m m there were a lot more. It was, um, you know, more like 40 systems in mm -hmm. Pines and, and 20 or so um, outside of Pines. Um, but we have steadily added more systems um, to, um, to Pines. And now that what's mainly stopping us is our staffing levels. Um, we just don't have enough Pine staff to handle the really large uh, libraries that are left. How did you feel about it when this project started? Were you excited? Were you apprehensive? Were you lots of things? Well, I I think I, it was I was cautious. I think and um, Brad and Jason were very infectious. Uh, in their uh, uh, in their belief in being able to do it, and so I think all of us who worked directly with them shared, kind of got caught up in that that um, the, that belief. Um, you know, we heard a lot of "you're crazy," um, and but you know they did it. Uh, they they communicated pretty well what their um, ideas were and how to go forward and uh, they you know it, it was it was scary but you know uh, advance comes with scariness <laughs> right in this development process where you're providing feedback and helping collate feedback from others how was that as an experience um it was it was fun um and it was very 
um, it, we d I did feel heard, uh, which catalogers do have an issue uh, with not feeling heard. And I think that a lot of, I mean, and that's true of, of all of the catalogers who were in Pines that were uh, working with us, is, with it is we, we did feel like um, they were taking our suggestions into account. Um, I mean, one of the issues, a lot of what they wanted to do did not get developed early on because they did have the short time frame. Um, it was, cataloging is complicated. And so um, it, it it's always been like, you know, we're always kind of the, the bad stepchild, but um, I think that they were very, for the most part, very um, attentive to what we were saying and um, helped even, even when they couldn't get some of it developed because of the time frame, it did help us, I think, have buy-in that we felt that we were being listened to. So you went live, I believe it was Labor Day 2005. And yes, I think so. Uh -huh. How nerve-wracking was that day? I mean, you went live with everybody at once. This wasn't a staged process. No. No, Which sounds insane to me personally. But. Well, and I think, you know, given we, we might have done it differently, um, given what we know now, uh, but there were a lot of reasons. Um, you know, we were getting a lot of pushback from the vendor, um, but there were a lot of reasons just to go live totally. Plus it, because of, um, you know, the Pines holds and every some other things, it's, it almost had to um, because just having a couple of libraries would not have been as both a robust a test and would not have been as functional um, for patrons as just everybody going live at the same time. You know, and I think now, you know, the Pine staff, we know a whole lot more about testing now than we did then and it it, it does kind of scare us when we think about um, just going live like that and one issue that we had um, was we had because it, the whole library the international library community was waiting for this so they hit our servers searching and, and all this and it, it just kind of brought everything to a crawl so that the guys had to block external searching for several days uh, to keep us functioning. And they yeah. just in mass came and looked. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of flattering, but maybe unwelcome in mass. <laughs> yeah, it was since it, because it had the effect that it had, it, it was right. unwelcome. Um, and, I, and I don't know how they solved it. Um, so that they could open it back up again, but they did, uh, so that anybody, you know, could look at it. So it's been 18 years since that go live. I mean, we're, there was no acquisition in the original release. It just didn't no. meet the timeline. And we're now on our, what, third, fourth revamp and overhaul of AC. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about how on the technical services side, the software has changed over time and how you have felt watching it develop. 
Well, uh, we didn't have act. We didn't have authorities. We didn't have serials. Uh, we just had basic cataloging um, that was kind of clunky. Uh, uh, lots of clicking, as Ben Lynn used to say. Um, but it also gave us some things that we didn't have in our previous ILS. So one of the things that was really important to catalogers that we could, in our previous, the previous ILS, we had to, if we wanted to see what that record we just create, brought in and, and created uh, looked like in the public OPEC, we had to log out of the staff client and then go to the, pub, and go to the public staff uh, OPEC. Well, one of the things we designed, we specifically asked for, was the ability to be able to see the record as the patron sees it, without that intervention of having to log off and log back in. Um, we were also um, we wanted to be able to, um, and I don't know why these two are stuck in my mind, but we wanted to be able to delete items that were long overdue and uh, missing and things like that that so that we could process it and rather than having to go through uh, circulation to resolve the circulation you know there were just little things like that so we were um, we were happy with a lot of that um, there were you know a lot of bugs um, and uh, that you know initially we didn't have a really good way to report the bugs and get them solved but you know now with launchpad is pretty that's pretty good it may not they may not get resolved quickly but at least we have a good reporting for them and a good tracking for them um but you know every um most every release has come out with uh additions to cataloging um it's much faster than it was to catalog than it was initially um you know, the using the item template, being able to use the holdings templates, not item templates anymore. Um, just, just there's not quite as much clicking. Uh, that we had item templates from the very beginning, but they're they're very much improved. And um, we, you know, acquisitions is fine. Is functions very well. Um, we have not, uh, for a variety of reasons, we have not implemented serials, so I can't speak to how that. Stuff. And um, the authority still needs a little work, uh, but the, the cataloging uh, interest group is trying to help guide the authority work uh, that needs to be done. Uh, so it's, um, you know, it's a much more robust cataloging interface now than it was uh, in the early days. You've been very active in the Evergreen community from the beginning, mm -hmm. and yourself and other catalogers have been a critical part of helping improve the technical services functionality by reporting things and bringing up discussions through working groups. How did it feel shifting from that proprietary world of going through a vendor to a community-driven project where you've been a major influence on it? Um, well, it was, um, initially it was more difficult, um, because 
we didn't have clear-cut communication channels to be able to um, report the bugs. And I also think we had an expectation um, that things would be fixed quicker than they were. And that grew at, that expectation grew out of the developers being a, initially a part of GPLS. Um, so when they moved to being a separate company, it put a few more barriers um, between us and that bug reporting and fixing process. Um, we also that's you know, kind of one of the things where that that con Jason's concept of pretend it's magic kind of hurt a little bit because mm -hmm. people did expect the bugs to be fixed miraculously. Um, so it was rough going initially um, with getting the community together. When we started having the conferences, I think that really, really helped um, because we were able to get together face to face and um, talk about what we needed, what was missing in a community, more of a community way than just individually putting in the, the bucket reports. Having, you know, moving to Launchpad also I think really helped uh, that process. Um, so, and I think also kind of coming to the understanding that it wasn't magic. And whereas they bugs and wish list items could get incorporated better than in the with a vendor, it still was a process that required time. And um, it's been it's been really really interesting, and I just I love the Evergreen cataloging community uh, because you learn so much about how different libraries approach the same issues. And um, Pines is very fortunate in how um, Pines was initially established to be a resource sharing um, group. And a, a lot of the consortiums brought in their resource sharing later. They were primarily just sharing the bibliographic catalog, the union catalog in the, in the patron database. Um, and just so understanding how people have, how people approach that is, has been really um, interesting to hear and uh, sometimes surprising. Um, Pines is also fortunate that um, the state of Georgia has a number of laws around libraries, uh, one of which restricts the political, uh, you can't be a city library and get funding directly from the state or the feds in Georgia. You have to be in at least a county. Um, so we don't have to, like, you know, a lot of the uh, evergreen libraries are just, you know, hundreds of, or a lot of, um, towns and cities and we we don't have that um, we have a lot of multi-county systems um, so even though we have what is it we have 
um, 160, I can't remember now how many counties Georgia has, um, but we only have 60 some odd uh, systems because they formed into um, multi-county systems. And that grew out of actually um, the Work Projects Administration during World War II. Um, well, and we also have, um, we have a shared set of policies and procedures um, so that the, because one of the important things when, the, when they were developing Pines is they wanted the patron experience to be the same from library to library. Um, so we have, you know, the, the books uh, circulate mm -hmm. the same way in every library. We have um, the, the circulation modifiers, which can, of course control circulation. Those are decided upon by the Pines Executive Committee, which is made up of directors of Pines Libraries, with input from Pines staff and from uh, the cataloging subcommittee. So it's, it's um, th there's a lot of ways that, you know, our administration is a lot smoother because we have the, that county and uh, regional structure and we have those shared policies. You know, a library can't come in and decide they want their books to circulate for six weeks. Um, they have to circulate for two weeks. Um, so, you know, and that's, that's been very helpful for the Pine staff to administer um, both Pines and Evergreen. Yeah. I have always said that if you find it difficult to adjust to a standard that you can share with everybody, don't worry about it. Six months later, it'll just be the new normal. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, when, when they, when they formed Pines, um, they all, you know, the directors went to this really horrible uh, hotel in uh, Forsyth, Georgia. And, uh, we always say they locked them in until they came up to with agreed to those shared policies. And it always hasn't, you know, it hasn't been easy. Almost every time we have a library migrate in, they want to do something different. Um, and, and that is why, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why we don't see those large uh, systems as part of Pines because they're not ready to um, have those shared policies they want their own, still want their own policy. There are, there are other reasons, but that's one of the reasons. Yeah, we had one line, we have one system that uh, floats their collection. And initially, you couldn't float a collection in um, Evergreen. And, you know, now you can. And, and when they're floating first, everything floated, <laughs> you know. So that they have made a few noises about joining, but they have not yet. So. The 18 years that uh, you've been working with Evergreen. Well, really 20, because you were involved in the two years before it went live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, back, if we scroll our minds back two decades, people were very skeptical of open source. Does it give you any source of amusement to be able to say, well, we were doing this way back when, we're old hands at it. Yes. It, it does, and and um, we we were well. I should say actually, the the development team was proved right um, over and over again about the uh, um, 
advantages of using open source. And um, you know, I, I'm I'm not by any means uh, techie, uh, though I I don't know all of the ins and outs. Um, but I know it's been um, it's very it's it has been very gratifying. I think. Uh, do you have any funny stories from the early days of Evergreen that you'd like to share? You can leave out names if they're too embarrassing. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I can't, I probably will afterwards think of it. Uh, the, the one, the only thing I can think of is not necessarily, um, well, the, the developers were in, one big office in our Claremont, our old Claremont offices. And they generally had the door closed and the lights off. And when you open the door, it, there was kind of a funky smell. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, yeah. Because they, they ate in there and I, I think they were sometimes in there 24 7 practically. Uh, so there would be, you know, food containers and Cokes all over. And um, so, so that was kind of we 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 had a lot of jokes about them um, being kind of walled off, and the person in the um, office beside them would could get really loud when she was on the phone, and they would throw stuff at the wall <laughs> to try to get her to be quiet. <laughs> well. That's great. And thank you for sharing with us. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, is there anything in parting that you'd like to say before we wrap up? Um, I just, I have, I've, I've said this a couple of times since um, I've decided to retire, but um, I have just, I've thoroughly enjoyed working with the Evergreen community, even when we've clashed. Um, I have also the I think the Evergreen conferences are the best conferences I've I have ever gone to. They're better, you know, than the big ALA and PLA conferences. You get there's a lot you get a lot done, a lot comes out of it, a lot of learning. And then of course just that, you know, getting to see people uh that you email all the time mm -hmm. is always really good. Well, I agree a hundred percent. People come sort of primed to share and talk and collaborate. Yes, yes, and and to learn. Uh, right. You know, even the people who have been with this, you know, like I, I learned something about the software that I didn't know it could do um, almost every year. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, in, in a good collaborative environment that's supportive. Uh, I always sometimes wonder if, you know, we have the, the people that are responders and I'm like, it, it just feels like such a good group that uh, they don't, we don't need the, the incident responders, but I'm sure we do. It just, it yeah. just feels like such a good group. Well, as one of the incident responders, mm -hmm. I will say it is generally a pretty cushy job. Yeah. Um, we, we are not needed much. Uh, I have only had to respond to one incident ever, and it was not a behavioral one, but somebody had a medical emergency. Right. And 
I will say that there were a number of Evergreen community members around who were not incident responders and they were absolutely lovely and helping out however they could. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's that kind of a, a crowd. Right. I think, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm proud of the community. I think mm-hmm. that's the, uh, um, we've, we're, we're a great community. I agree. And, and uh, uh my doing these was partially prompted by the retirement of yourself and a few other folks, mm-hmm. and you're going to be missed. I hope you can, you know, poke your head back in every now and then. <laughs> I, I hope I can, too. Uh, maybe if there's a conference back in the Georgia area, I might might kind of stick my head in, but we'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah, but I hope you enjoy uh, your time off. I, I know that you have a lot going on in your life. But I hope you get to enjoy your post-Georgia uh, Pines days. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, you might hear from me as a, as a user saying, hey, make these lists do this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, th- you, you can still have an account on Launchpad, and that's welcome. Ah, well, maybe Ab- I'll change it over to my, my account over to my personal email address. Then. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I, I normally wouldn't encourage people not at libraries to join Launchpad because of the fear of noise, but you're certainly uh, qualified to post, <laughs> <laughs> regardless of what you're doing in your life at the time. Yeah, yeah I, I, and I wouldn't be, I would try not to be petty. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, I wouldn't think so. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for joining me for this. Well, thank you for having me.